Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. This is the sermon for the week of January 27, 2019. It is the third Sunday after the Epiphany. This week's sermon is called The Center of Life. Is based on the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, verses 5 through 6, and verses 8 through 10. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hanel. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I got a question for the kids in the front row here, so listen. What what is the best part of an Oreo? The frosting. Do you agree? Yeah, it's, it's the middle part of an Oreo. That's the best part. You can ask kids, you can ask adults. I think it should be almost unanimous on that. That is the best part of an Oreo cookie. It's that cream filling. And yet it boggles my mind that even though Oreos have been around for over 100 years, it wasn't until 1974 that the geniuses at Nabisco had the idea of the double stuff Oreo. Like, where were they all this time when everybody knows that's the best part? And in fact, I, I haven't seen them in the store, but again, my, my extensive research has shown that this year they have these limited edition most stuff Oreos that contain about four times the cream filling of an original Oreo. So see if you can track those down. See, the best part of an Oreo is the center. It's that cream filling. An Oreo wouldn't be an Oreo without it. And for a lot of us, we might just get to the cream, that's the goal, and then put the cookie away. Somebody else can eat that part. But it's not just true about Oreos, about cookies, that the best part, the most important part, is the center. It's true about a lot of things. Our solar system, if it didn't have the centering power and energy, that gravity of the sun to keep everything together, we'd just be flying off in space in search of some other centering star that would keep us in motion. It's true about movies. How many of you would go to a movie just to see the opening scene and then it immediately thereafter goes to the ending credits? It would be completely unfulfilling. And it's also true of jokes. If you just have the introduction and the punchline, it's not really funny. You don't get what the punchline was about. What was the point? Well, it's also true of our lives. That our lives, without that center, without that thing that brings us focus and meaning, it, it would be practically worthless. In our Old Testament reading today, we hear about a time when the the Israelites are coming back to Jerusalem after a period of exile. Old Testament history. In 586 B.C., the people of Jerusalem faced the threat of the Babylonian Empire and their armies. They were coming down upon the city, and they completely destroyed it. They tore down the walls. They destroyed all of the buildings, the houses. They destroyed the temple. They burned it to the ground. And they took the people of the town away into exile. Jerusalem was left as basically a ghost town. Well, about 150 years later, give or take, 
the Persian Empire is now the controlling empire of that region. The Babylonian Empire is not around. And the Persian Empire decides to send the Israelites back home. You're free to go back. Rebuild your homes, your cities, your temple. It's, it's all okay. And so that's what they did. They went back to rebuild. But as they get back to Jerusalem and they start rebuilding things, they find out that they are missing something very important. They're missing the center of their life. You see, it wasn't enough for the people to get back, to to start rebuilding their homes, to have families, to have jobs. That wasn't enough. They were still missing God. They were missing that most important thing about their lives. And so Ezra who's a priest and a scribe, somebody who is trained in the, the scriptures of their day, what is to us the Old Testament, they arranged for him to read, to teach the people the word of God. And so he gathered all of the people together, men, women, children, everybody, gathered them before him and he read. He read from God's word. In the Old Testament reading, it says that he read from the book of the law of Moses. Now, that doesn't mean that he simply taught them the Ten Commandments. The, the law of Moses is a way of saying the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. He was reading those fundamental books, the word of God, in order to bring the people back to that center that they were missing. And so you heard in the Old Testament reading how they were all there. They, they gathered at dawn, and they were there until noon, listening, listening attentively as God's word was read, taught, and explained to them. Does it sound familiar? Does it look familiar? It's something that we're still doing to this day. But there was something odd about what happened on this day as they were listening to God's word. We hear that the people began to weep. It doesn't say exactly why they were weeping, but I think we can kind of put the pieces together. See, I think the reason why the people were weeping is because they realized how far They had fallen. They realized how precious that thing was that was at the center that they had lost. They realized that their ancestors had abandoned the most important thing about them. See, the most important thing about them was God had created them for a special relationship with himself. But their ancestors had abandoned this relationship. They abandoned their God. The reason the Babylonians came and destroyed the people of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. was not any kind of secret. God said specifically, it's because you have abandoned me. It's because you have gone and worshipped idols, other gods, and you no longer love me. Well, as the people here 
all of this, as they hear about how important that relationship is, and as they realize that that in the past, God's people didn't treat that relationship as the most important thing. Instead, they put themselves at the center of life. They treated themselves as the most important thing and as, as their word, as the word that counted the most. Now, even though they did this, God called them. He called them back to himself again and again and again. God did this. And God made it possible for the people to continue to live. But again and again and again, the people refused to listen to God's calls. They refused to repent. They stayed in that life of worshiping idols, of of abandoning that relationship with God until one day God decided to remove his hand of grace from them. To see what life was like without God. And the people found out what life without God really was like. It was death. It was destruction. It was hopelessness. And I think that's why the people on that day were weeping as they heard God's word being read to them. But Ezra turns around and he says to the people, don't weep. Don't grieve. This is a sacred day. This is a day when when you are gathered here to listen to God's word being spoken to you. This is not a day of sorrow. This is a day of of joy. This is not a day to grieve what has been lost. This is a day to rejoice in what has been found. You see, you are not at the center of your life. Your God is at the center of your life. But what about you? Could you say the same? Is God at the center of your life? Is he the most important thing in your life? Is he the thing that, that gives meaning and purpose to your life? Is, is he what makes your decision-making possible so that you know what it is that you should, and do, should do and shouldn't do? I won't make you answer that question. Because let's face it, the default setting for all of us, is to put ourselves at the center of life. To make ourselves the most important thing. But is that a smart decision? Is there any way that putting yourself at the center of your life doesn't end in the same way that it ended for the people of Jerusalem in 586 B.C.? Is there any way that that does not end in devastation, disaster, and ruin? Or maybe think about it this way. Is it even possible for you to put yourself at the center of your life? Does that even work? 
See, if you're like most people, your life is kind of just trying to keep the plate spinning, isn't it? You have so many different responsibilities in your life. You're just, you're trying to keep up. You have to take care of your family. You have to make sure that you keep your job. You have to pay the bills. You have to be a functioning member of society. So many different things are going on that very often it seems like we're just on autopilot. Or maybe it feels like you're just treading water. You're just trying to keep up. Our lives are busy. Our schedules are full. Life doesn't give us much free time. And the free time that we have is always precious. And yet, no matter how hard you might try to make yourself the center of your life, it always seems like you're being pushed this way. You're being pulled that way. You want to put yourself at the center of your life, but does that even work? You may want to be your own boss, but is that even possible? For most of us, we find out, no, there's no way. So isn't it good to know that you're not the hero of your story? Your God is. See, we know what it is like to lose God from the center of our lives. It looks like putting our own pleasures, our own passions, our own hopes, aspirations, and dreams at the center of our lives. And we know what that's like. We know how that works or how it doesn't work. But our God doesn't change. He's always the same. And the center of God, God's heart in Jesus, is focused squarely on you. You are the most important thing to God. And God knows. He knows you. He knows what your life is like. He knows you because he created you. He knows you, and he sent Jesus to die for your sins. And he knows that if he is not at the center of your life, nothing else really matters. He knows that your life really won't work. In fact, there is really no life for you. Nothing. You have nothing if God is not at the center of your life because God knows you and he created you. He created you for life. He created you for himself and he created you for others. God knows this. Yesterday when I asked my daughter, what is the best part of an Oreo? I thought I knew her answer. She surprised me, though. Instead of saying, the center, that's the best part of the Oreo, she said, the best part of an Oreo is that there isn't just chocolate and vanilla. There's red velvet and mint and birthday cake. In other words, she was telling me about all of the different kinds of Oreos that there are, all of the different kinds of cream-filling Oreos that they have. It's not just the white, the vanilla anymore. It's so much more than that. 
And her answer really blew me away because, again, I thought the answer was easy. It's the center of the Oreo. But here's the thing. If you're focused on what is the best part, then you start to see the center for all of the goodness, richness, and delight that's really there. And that's also true with that question, what's the center of your life? We all know what the answer is supposed to be. It's like an academic question. Yeah, the, Jesus, God, that's the center of our life. We know that. But it's not an academic question. It's a personal question. And if you're focused on the center, if you see the center, the answer isn't just, well, God, that's the most important thing. Instead, if you focus on the center, if you see that God is the center, you start to realize why. You see God and who He is in all of His goodness and richness and the delight that He brings. And you realize what you are missing if you don't have that as the center of your life. It's hard for us to put God first, to put him at the center of our lives. In fact, I might even say it's basically impossible. But once again, we're not the heroes of our story. Our God is always the same. And he wants for himself to be the center of our lives, and he is the one that makes that possible. Our God judges. Our God condemns. But our God also seeks. Our God also saves. And he brings to us all that word of life, that word of life that is in Jesus, his Son. See, Jesus is the one who has gathered us all to this place on this day. He is the one that has gathered us here to hear his word, to listen to it, to understand it, to pray to him, to be gathered together as that body of Christ, as brothers and sisters, to come together to remember and receive God's forgiveness that he so richly blesses us with. For daily we sin against God and against one another. We miss the mark. But thanks be to God that our God never changes. He is the one who calls us to himself. He is the one that embraces us with his everlasting love and grace and forgiveness. So my friends, do not weep. Do not mourn. This is a sacred day. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, who is your Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Kankakee, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts 
by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clicking the Sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening, and God's blessings.